Good morning. I'm Glenn Balsis, and I serve with the Navigators uh, on campus here. And my name is Mike Zentera, and I work with InterVarsity. And Mike and I have something unusual in common. It's true, and it's not just that we love students. It's that we both were called uh, from the University of Illinois into the darkness that is Purdue uh, <laughs> to serve as ministers there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but seriously, Glenn and I really do enjoy working on campus together at Purdue. Mike, there's passages that have shaped our lives and our ministry, and we've talked about some of those together. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to share a little bit about one that has especially touched you? Yeah, when I think about the kingdom of God, uh, one of the favorite images that sticks out to me is the image of the great banquet that Jesus talks about in Luke 14. And if you want to tap there, if you're like me, or if you want to flip there, if you're like Glenn, uh, <laughs> whatever works for you, uh, we're going to be there for just a few minutes uh, this morning. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, Luke 14 is a really fun passage that talks about, the, like I said, the parable of the great banquet. And maybe that is a sticky image for me because hospitality, good hospitality and throwing parties is a really important part of kind of who I am and who God has made me to be as in my family growing up. We had a party for everything to the point where we even had a party for when we did taxes together. Uh, that, that was my party growing up and that continues to be significant as my wife Annie and I try to represent the kingdom of God uh, here today. So let me read, uh, this is from Luke 14, starting in verse 16. It says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, or oh, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So in this story, Jesus, again, com he compares the kingdom to this great banquet. Now think of the best party you've ever been to. Multiply it by whatever number you want to think about, and it's better than that, right? Uh, and so there's these four characters in this passage or in this story that Jesus tells. There's the master, the servant, the initial invitees, and the people that actually end up at the party at the end. All of those are worth investigating. All four of those character groups are worth digging into a little bit further. But for the sake of today, I want to focus on the servant, because that's who I identify most closely with in this passage. The interesting thing about this servant is the first thing is that he spends time with the master. It's clear that the servant has been a part of getting this party together. He has been working on the food order and getting the decorations together. And because of that, he knows the heart of the master. One of my favorite things as a campus minister is I love encouraging students to investigate what it means to waste time with God. What does it mean to actually spend a Sabbath with Jesus and away from their work as a student? 
uh, to actually take the commandment of the Sabbath seriously. And because of that transforming time with God, their lives and their calling would be transformed too. Uh, and so I love inviting students to, to learn to listen to the master so that they know the heart of the master more. And then there's this funny little word at the end in this passage that I love, Glenn. It's, called, it's the word compel. Uh, now, when I think of the word compel, I often think of my grandpa telling stories at these parties that we would have about my great-grandma dragging him by the ear when he was a little kid, uh, encouraging him forcibly to do something, right, because he wasn't listening. This compel means to drive or to urge forcibly or irresistibly. We have a compelling party to invite people into. And so we get a chance as servants to go out and compel people to come in. Uh, for me, one of my favorite instances of this is in our Greek ministry on campus. Uh, there's a lot of Greek students at Purdue. Uh, and oftentimes we think of those as the unlikely folks, the people that are probably not going to receive Jesus. And yet, the Greek, the Greek uh, students in our campus, at least with InterVarsity, that's our biggest outreach on campus. Over 150 students are involved. We saw 20 of them come to know Jesus this year. And that's because we were able to send students out to go out to the highways and byways and compel them to come into following Jesus. So that's a little bit about me. I, we've talked a little bit about this. I know you've got some passages that drive you too and have shaped your thoughts. What are some of those? I was a college freshman at the University of Illinois, and a student named Jim in my residence hall uh, invited me to study the claims of Christ. And so tucked into that tiny dorm room, I went and week after week read about Jesus, and about six weeks later came to faith in Christ. And Jim really helped me grow in my brand new faith. And a passage that grabbed me at that time and continues to shape me today is from Matthew 9, 36 through 38. And it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Mike read his from his iPad. This is my iPad. And you can probably read in rows one through three, because I have this in 14-point type. And I had to wear my glasses to read that. But this is an exciting passage for me. And, and just from the very beginning, it grabbed me. So the fact that Jesus had compassion when he saw, that's a deep emotional attachment and empathy for people. It wasn't just an observation. It was that he truly cared. And I prayed from the very beginning, Jesus, would you give me a heart of compassion when I would see people, any people? He saw the crowds. And, you know, we see this campus and the crowds on this campus is a harvest field. Mm -hmm. So we've mentioned fraternities and sororities and the residence halls and the record numbers we have in those. Apartment dwellers, international students, visiting scholars, campus staff, professors, uh, workers in those offices, um, athletes, grad students. And we have people from all 50 states and nearly 130 uh, countries. 
that have come to actually be here on campus. I think of it what Jesus would think of when he would go into either Mackey or Ross Aid sporting events and see thousands and thousands of people, which coincidentally is a great time of prayer for our beloved Boilermakers to win <laughs> at those events. Hey, don't forget the other time that causes a lot of prayer is during exams. I, I once heard that if there's exams on campus, or as long as there's exams on campus, there will be people praying on campus too. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so they were harassed and helpless. He saw within those crowds that they were like sheep that were left to be attacked by any forces around them. You know, and we see that today. Students and our culture at our all-time high anxiety levels. Three weeks ago, we had a regional navigator collegiate conference for students from Illinois and Indiana, and there was the first time we offered a workshop on stress and anxiety. Over two-thirds of the conference went to that workshop because that is the issue that they are dealing with. So there are sexual pressures, there's awareness of a world that has a lot of unknowns in it, there's uh, ways to escape that are constantly being offered to students, and so we wanna be the ones who are bringing Christ because they're bombarded with these real pressures. A friend of mine in Boston used this example. He said that when they would ride those trams with the loops, the leather loops, he said, that's what we would hold on to. And he said, today's students have nothing to hold on to. They have nothing to hold on to. So that's why uh, Margot and I and others have been serving so passionately and so committed to this kind of work that we do on campus. Margot grew up on a farm, and she knows a lot about harvesting and planting. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago and know nothing about that. Amen. <laughs> but when Jesus sees that harvest, he sees that it's plentiful, but there is a problem. And that problem is that the workers are few. And so what does this work involve? For us, we're tucked into dining hall uh, courts, we're meeting with students, we're in coffee shops, the student union, we're meeting almost daily with students, and we're spending long hours intensely listening to their stories, and that's so either we can introduce them to Jesus, or to help them grow in their faith in the midst of turbulent times for them. And if you see any of us on campus, it's usually with an open Bible so that we can bring uh, spiritual life to them on campus. And as students grow and mature in their faith, they learn how to reach people around them as well with the same things that have been done with them. In the Amplified Translation of Matthew 9, 38, it says, pray the Lord of the harvest to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. So if the answer to the harvest is more workers, why do they have to be forced out or ejected into the harvest? And I think it does, it's not natural to actually do the work of harvesting. I know it's hard for me, and here's some obstacles. 
One is I get afraid. You know, I look in the student union and I'm about one of the few with this color hair. <laughs> and so fear sometimes grips my heart. Another thing is sometimes my heart grows cold and I want to settle for less demanding levels of living than engaging students about Jesus. And a third thing is, I'd rather hang out with people who are comfortable, who are very much like me. But Jesus calls me to go, and go into those campus harvest fields. Now, all universities have a system for getting people out into those harvest fields. It's called graduation. <laughs> so they're sent out from all these people from 50 states and nearly 130 countries go back. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust, like the passing of a baton, to other people who will be qualified to teach others also. So we're not about building solely campus fellowship groups. Mm -hmm. We're about helping people come to know Christ and know how to help other people so that for decades later, year after year, they will be reaching out in their fields of education fields or business or medicine or wherever God takes them. They'll be prepared and equipped to be laborers for a lifetime. Just like Jim was for me when I was a freshman. Somebody who labored and cared for me. And so this morning, all of us who are supported so that we can actually focus full-time on student ministry, just want to express our gratitude for the way that Covenant has prayed for us and helped us to be laboring in his harvest fields. We're sent out into residence halls, into classrooms, into all over campus, all over campus. One of those faithful laborers and leaders is Maureen Clayton. Maureen and her husband Carl have faithfully served on this campus at Purdue, and they direct the crew ministry. And so next we'll have Maureen share stories of outreach and change lives. Maureen? Thank you, Glenn and Mike. I love how they bring those passages to life. And don't you also just love hearing from godly men who serve on the campus? So for the next few minutes, I get to share stories of what's happening over at Purdue. And the first story I'm going to tell you is definitely the craziest one. One of my students in crew named Mary Beth asked two other women, what is your view of God? And this is word for word how they answered her. Well, I think God is like this big vibe, like all this energy all over the earth. In fact, what I remember from church was that God made all the people kill all of their firstborn children. And they were killing animals, too. There were just sacrifices happening everywhere. Well, that's why Jesus came, because he came to tell the people, stop killing your children and stop killing those animals, too. Well, you know, I think Jesus was really a great guy, but I don't think everything he said was true. I mean, he married a prostitute. I, he wrote her a love letter, and that's in the Bible. And he probably has offspring all over the earth right now. I mean, you know, God's children. 
are everywhere. I mean, th this is what Christians believe, right? These girls were so sure of their facts because they had grown up going to church. And sadly, this mixed-up, confused thinking is more and more common every single year. This conversation happened just a few days ago at an event that we call a Worldview Exchange. About 50 students showed up at Owen Hall last Wednesday night to check it out. We host the event in partnership with the leadership of the dorms. It's a really fun night. There was free pizza and these huge perspective banners. What we're doing is we're creating an environment where students can talk about things that they never ever talk about. Things like their view of God, the meaning and purpose of life, their view of man, their view of Jesus, and their source of spiritual truth. During the event, a crew student walks a small group of students through the displays, and they share and um, discuss what they believe. The crew students are trained to be really good listeners and ask good questions. And the students seeing the banners for the first time, they're actually discovering and articulating what they believe. And many of them are so confused, when they hear what they're saying out loud, it actually even makes no sense to them, which leads to great conversations. This uh, banner outreach event is a great opportunity, and our goal is to partner with every single dorm that has lots of freshmen in it before the end of the year. Three of the six banners are in the back of the church, so you can check them out afterwards. We use the banners for large events, but we also have the same thing in a playing card size for everyday conversations. Now, my last story is probably one of my favorites of all time. It's about Courtney. I met Courtney during the first week of her freshman year. I was her faculty fellow which is just a fancy name for a volunteer mentor. Every dorm and every floor in every dorm has a faculty fellow, and you don't have to be on faculty. You can also just be considered staff at the university. So that's what I am. So Courtney and a few others would meet me every week for lunch, and we would talk about crazy things like boys, movies, most of which I'd never seen, music that I didn't have any idea what they were talking about, um, exams, roommate problems, and then as the, as the year went on, it got more and more honest and more and more raw as I would ask about their families and their parents and their siblings, and I would hear about hurt and betrayal and lies and even abuse. And I was able to have many just natural gospel conversations during those lunches. But Courtney was the only one of the group that said she was a Christian. Now, sometime during her freshman year, she stopped going to church. She told me she also stopped praying because she began to question if God was even real at all, if she could believe anything that she'd heard. So for the next two years, we continued meeting about once a month for lunch, even though I was no longer her fact fellow. I just... I just really loved Courtney. I, we had a special relationship. We call ourselves the odd couple because I'm in my 60s and she's 21. So um, anyway, her home life was getting more and more desperate. Uh, anxiety was growing in her and even panic attacks. She had never had one and she was now having several a week. 
She would lay in bed awake at night, terrified that she would die. And she told me that this went on for weeks. She began to realize that she could no longer be apathetic about her faith. And that's when our lunch conversations took a much deeper turn into spiritual things. We walked through the worldview topics one at a time, and sometimes for weeks on one topic. Who is God? What is the purpose and meaning of life? Who is Jesus? And when it came to the topic of what is your source of spiritual truth, that's when she said, I believe anything can be my source of truth. And then she slammed her fist down and she said, that's why I'm so messed up, because everything can be truth for me. And so that day we again walked through the reliability of scriptures and how much God loved her and how much he wanted her to be his adopted child and what that would look like for her. Well, that night I got the shortest and the best text ever, and it was from Courtney. And all it said was, I have been adopted. (laughs) I read that text over and over and over. Yeah, it brought tears to my eyes. Well, now Courtney is a senior, and we're still meeting for lunch. And she's joined in on the challenge with over 100 other crew students to read the New Testament in 90 days. Her fiancé is also trying to read it. He is um, a seeker coming from a very messed up religious background. But he's honestly trying to read. He's actually ahead of Courtney in the reading plan. So that's really cool. Well, I hope these short stories give you an idea of how we spend our days on campus. It's lots and lots of conversations with lost students and believing students. And I know for Carl and I, we've served with crew for 43 years now. We feel extremely privileged extremely privileged to spend our lives investing in students. And I know for all of the campus missionaries that Covenant supports, we are so grateful for your faithful and your generous support and how you take such good care of us for so many years. We are really so grateful. Next up in the uh, morning is you're going to see a video about just pictures of students on campus that are in some of our movements. So I hope you enjoy it. And thank you very much. My name is Parks Wilson. I work with a group called Worldwide. You may sit down. I work with a group called Worldwide Discipleship Association, better known as WDA. And Glenn, the other day I was going into the gym at Purdue, and a young female college student had dyed her hair gray. And I thought, this is great. I'll fit right in here, so (laughs) don't be ashamed. A wise man once said, the kingdom of God advances on its knees. Did you catch that? The kingdom of God advances on its knees. An obvious reference to prayer. And so on this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, November the 20th at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have a prayer walk on campus led by Mike Zentera. They will meet at the Union in Purdue. uh, They're at the map or what they call the model. And so at this time, we would like for you to break into groups of three or four or whatever works best for you. And we don't do this every Sunday, but we want to do this today. Uh, break into groups of three or four and have some prayer time. And you should have gotten one of these bookmarks. If you don't, you can raise your hand, and Glenn is going to come forth and pass out the bookmarks and some of the ushers. So we want you to break up. And if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, that's fine. Just pray silently with those who might pray out loud in your group. So 
Go for it. At this time, break into groups of three to four. Almighty God, thank you for this beautiful sound of these prayers ascending to your throne on high. Jesus, you are the, you are the glorified Christ, the exalted one. We fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. You are seated at the right hand of God the Father, and we are seated with you. So we also look down from this great position to which you have exalted us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Cliff Johnston. Hi, welcome. Good morning. Uh, my name is Cliff Johnston, and um, I have a great job. So um, I'm a faculty member at Purdue. I've been teaching at Purdue for 26 years. But the great job that I have is uh, I get to serve on the missions committee. And um, so my role on the missions committee is um, being an advocate for uh, those who are involved in campus ministry. And so it really is um, it's a tremendous blessing. And so the first thing that I want to do this morning is uh, I just want to extend a heartfelt thank you, deep gratitude for those who serve in campus ministry. It is an amazing privilege. Yes, please. You know, Covenant has been truly blessed. So we're, you know, there's a tremendous amount of campus ministry that occurs at Purdue. Um, but Covenant has been blessed by having people that are deeply integrated into the, um, to the life of Covenant that serve in this capacity. And it doesn't, it's not just campus ministry. They're, they're serving in other roles, like serving as an elder in the church or serving as the leader of MOPS or, you know, all different types of things of uh, discipleship ministries within Covenant. And so we are richly blessed. And so I just wanted to say how much we appreciate that at uh, you know, these are the gifts and the things that we realize as a church body. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't understand the full impact of, uh, of what that looks like. Um, so, as we mentioned, you know, we have 47,000 students on campus, uh, visiting scholars and students. And only a small percentage of them would identify as a follower of Christ. And so, as we think about what that looks like. I think just one thing I want to mention is just the, the tremendous degree of complementarity amongst these different organizations. They're not fighting with each other, as you can see. I mean, there, this is a very natural conversation between Glenn and Mike and with Maureen and with WDA, um, reaching different groups of students because, as, as indicated in the bulletin, um, you know, there's lots of different parts of Purdue between graduate students, undergrads, people that are living in Greek houses, internationals, and there's individuals that we support that are highly specialized in these different areas. And so that's one thing I just would like, I think part of that comes out, but just, a, um, just wanted to draw attention to that. So this morning, what I wanted to do is we're gonna ask those that are involved in um, campus ministry um, and uh, students and faculty to, to stand in a minute. But what I'd like to do this morning is we're gonna pray uh, this prayer in Ephesians 3. And we're gonna pray it sort of like through these people that are working in campus ministry. And so, for example, through the eyes of Maureen, when she is talking with her students, I want you to be praying this prayer of Ephesians uh, 3 through them, so for the students that they are interacting with and are, um, are, are ministering to. So what I'd like to do 
is I'd like to have our campus ministers, I'd like you to stand. I'd like to invite any students that are involved in campus ministry as well. And if you just come into the, into the center aisle, just sort of distribute yourselves um, accordingly. And what I'm going to ask is, um, uh, you know, I think if we asked everyone associated with Purdue, like faculty and staff, like myself, everybody would be a lot of folks standing. But, but I want to focus on these individuals. And so what I'm going to ask is I want the people of Covenant now to stand and to come alongside. And I want you to pray over these individuals. Find out who the person that you're interacting with. Just have, and I'd like you to pray just briefly, a few minutes of prayer. So why don't you stand up now and pray over these individuals. And then I'm going to close our time um, uh, by praying this prayer in uh, Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 over them. So just take a few minutes now and pray over these individuals who are standing and, um, and bless them and pray for them. And we'll, I'll close our time with the prayer in Ephesians 3. So just, I'll let you do that now. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down, in, uh, down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Amen.